Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Gracias, Alex. Bon dia a tots. Eh, soc aquí per, per explicar-vos la situació en la que hem arribat en les negociacions amb, amb Leo Messi. Hello everybody from Backpage. My name is Neil White and with me is Graham Hunter, the host of The Big Interview. We are, we have just been recording the first new Big Interview um, for the new football season that will be coming your way very shortly. But sometimes, not often, but sometimes we turn into a news pod as well. And today is one of those days. Graham Hunter, you're meant to be on holiday. It didn't work out that way for you. I think we've, I think we've hit two bomb notes because nobody cares about my holiday. Let's be honest. And, and none of you, by the way, socios or friends of socios, we call you FOSS. Um, you don't contradict me by writing and say, yeah, we do care, honestly, we do. Because you, you, you don't. And secondly, that was, your, that was your chance. Hi, everybody, for Babbage Press. I'm Leo Messi. You know these, those low-hanging fruits were, were there for you. Um, yeah, what's a holiday when, uh, when, when Leo Messi and Barcelona announced that, um, that they're, they're consciously uncoupling? Is that, is that your phrase? I think so. I think it's not my when phrase. Gwyneth? Gwyneth, Gwyneth and Chris's phrase. I wouldn't want to. Oh, it's Chris that left Gwyneth, not you. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So, okay. the uncoupling occurred, or uh, Joan Laporta informed us of it this afternoon. We immediately asked our socios, uh, those listeners who support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter for any questions that they wanted to put to Graham for a very sort of snap newsy Q&A on this subject. And they have responded um, with a whole bunch of them that we're going to get to right now. Before we do, I'd like to just very quickly welcome two new socios who came on board this week, Richard W. Pine and Edward Hislop. Both of you seem to have joined us directly from a Bronte novel. Um, welcome. Before we go to the questions from our socios, Graham, I just wanted to make sure that the listeners who perhaps weren't following every cough and spit of the Barcelona president's press conference caught up before we get into the, the details, before we get into the weeds of it. So one of the most interesting sort of news lines to come out of it for me was Joanne Laporta saying that Leo Messi's agreed five-year contract of 50% wages that's been part of the new cycle for some time, it seems like from what I can understand of Laporta's statement, it was only going to be a two-year playing contract initially and that the wages would be spread over five years. Is that your understanding of what he said? Yeah, well, welcome, Rick. Welcome, Eddie. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's a way to understand it. I, I think that um, for a long time, irrespective of what's happened over the last, um, not, not 48 hours, but slightly longer because Laporta 
is on record now saying that it's two days before the press conference this morning, Friday, that he first came to the conclusion this, this can't work. So long before these last three days, the idea that Barcelona were in such financial straitjacket that, that they had to be ultra creative about how to do things, it, it meant that there were very many proposals put to Leo Messi, including um, Barcelona helping sponsor some of his time at Inter Miami, him coming back potentially for an ambassadorial role or a coaching role. And therefore, the specifics of what you're saying, that it was, it, it, if, if I understand it correctly, and I believe I do, the potential was for him to play for Football Club Barcelona until 2026. And that there was an optional break clause um, in 2023, which is the two-year period you're talking about. Now, this idea about paying players less but spreading it over a longer time is one about deferred payments. It's it's a mechanism. It's actually quite a, a, a an intelligent, grown-up mechanism to try and retain assets, even if you're not a football club. Try and retain assets who are under threat, your ownership of which or your use of which are under threat because of current debt. And after the, I think it was Ferenc Varos, last season after the home game, there was this astonishing announcement whereby they, at one fell swoop, renewed, extended the contracts of, well, at least Gerard Piquet, Clement Longley, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, and I think there's a minimum of one more. And what it turned out was that these were actually wage reductions on their current salary, but an extension of the contract so that the total sum would be pretty similar to what the players have been expected to earn in the short term, but it would be earned over the longer term. And of course, if you come to selling a player before that longer term contract is up, then you have to pay them off. So the idea was that largely everybody could end up square if brackets if you help us at the moment. So you're saying that was the same mechanism with Messi. I think it was in there, but I think they were specifically leaving open the idea that Messi, if all things were going well, might play for Barcelona until 2026. There was also mentioned that with Messi on the books, FC Barcelona were running at 110% wages to revenue, which I think the correct uh, financial term for that is suicidal. Um, <laughs> Another big part of this story is the proposed investment from private equity firm CVC into La Liga as a whole, um, proposed 2.7 billion euro investment for 10% of revenue and 10% stake in companies. Uh, so Laporta referenced that. Graham, to what extent, when he said the terms, he said going forward with this would have possibly damaged Barcelona for 50 years. Now, when he said that, when I was looking at his statement and he said that, I couldn't really tell whether he was saying if we continue to, to pay Messi, it would be damaging, or if he was saying if Barcelona sign up to the CVC plan, it would be damaging. He specifically said both. I mean, this was irrespective of whether you're a supporter, a fan, a cynic, or an opponent. This was a truly bravura performance um, in an era where we ask for uh, increased openness, accountability, dialogue even with senior members of any part of the football community at one of the darkest times for the club irrespective of Messi leaving but in terms of the finances too Laporta stood up there and spoke for very nearly 
let's call it, an, an, the, the, the length of a match, maybe longer. Um, I think he answered around about 30 questions. Now, to me, first of all, hats off. It's down to us now to work out how much of it was um, economical with the truth, how much of it was the exact truth, how much of it, even if it's true, we agree with. But your question is answered by the fact that he said both of them. He said, we agreed to deal with Messi, he wanted to stay, we were happy with the, the huge efforts he made in order to help us let him stay. And it's only two days ago that I came to the realisation that we couldn't do it. And if that we continue to try and push like this, um, even to get under the financial fair play uh, uh, legislation that uh, La Liga have imposed, he said it was putting the future of the club at risk. He then separately said that he disagreed with the way in which the CBC deal, which puts, as you pointed out accurately, 2.7 billion euros into Spanish football, it's to be divided amongst both small fly amateur clubs, women's football, and then coming up through the pyramid of Spanish football up to top where, in theory, Barcelona were, and Real Madrid were to receive somewhere between 260 and 280 million. Um, Laporta went on record to say that he believes that that is, um, what do you call a hipoteca? Mortgaging some of, some of the audiovisual rights for Spanish La Liga football for 50 years. Now, what we've got is a problem, and I don't know how to resolve it, because during Laporta's discourse, the league president, Javier Tebas, tweeted out, you know that what you've said isn't true. You're party to the negotiations. You're party to the documents. Um, you're misrepresenting the case. And he, Tebas, without naming Florentino Perez, he specifically said, uh, you, you said the other week, and it wasn't Laporta, it was Florentino Perez, football is in a ruin. Football without the Superliga is ruined. Young people won't watch. And Tebas had a bite back in the same tweet and said, well, apparently, you know, this, um, this American firm uh, values us at 270 million and blah, 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 blah. And therefore, what kind of ruin is that? And it appears that the young people will be watching. Now, subsequent to all of this, in lead up to you and I recording this podcast for our, our socios, there has been a, a splurge of what are clearly sourced stories. And the fact is, you never know whether these are spin or, or hard fact. But there's a splurge of stories have said, Barcelona were completely involved in the negotiations with CBC partners. The spin, the, the spin stories say that Barcelona gave it the go-ahead and wanted to call a, a general assembly so they could put it in front of their members. Now Laporta is, is speaking out against it in public. So, your question, your point was, what was Laporta worried about in terms of the future of Barcelona? The first thing he was worried about was the, the suicidal idea that irrespective of the pandemic, and irrespective of Barcelona's um, total income dropping so dramatically, the level of salary that Barcelona were operate, operating at, it, whether it was three years ago when there was no hint of a pandemic and they were paying out 650 million euros in salary alone per year, or now when Laporta inherited exactly what you said, they're, they're paying 10% more in salaries than their, or 10 percentage points more in salaries than they're bringing in. Any, any business that does that 
okay, goes into debt, then struggles, then goes out of business. Now, football clubs aren't used to doing that, particularly a brand like Football Club Barcelona. But that's what Laporte was saying. If we continue with this model, this idea, then our, the, the future of the institution, that was the phrase he came back to over and over again, is at risk. And Neil, irrespective of the debate we're about to have for the socios about Messi, his whereabouts, whether he should have signed, whether it's a power play or not, the fact is that whoever grasped the hot iron poker of we're going to go bust was going to have to do unpopular things, was going to have to make himself a martyr for the good of the club. And however it happened, um, there was going to be some opprobrium. And as we speak, I think Laporta believes that he's played, you know, a, a double pot on, on the Green Bays. I think he, he's made it clear that he's negotiated hard with Jorge Messi and Leo Messi. He's made it clear he wanted them to stay. He's made it clear that the deal was there ready and he's trying to blame La Liga. He's made it clear that the desperate financial situation, which means that they can't meet La Liga's financial fair play rules, that is somebody else's fault. And he's right, it is Bartomeu's fault. But he's also the, the no-lose situation. If Leo Messi's got to go, which he had to do at some time, that's a big chunk of salary that gets out of the way and helps the club to sanitise itself, helps them try to find a way, which they still haven't found yet, to afford to be able to register Depay, Eric Garcia, Cunaguero, Emerson, blah, 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 blah. I think Laporta is not speaking with a forked tongue, but I do think strategically he thought, I'm going into a situation where it's win-win for me. Okay, let's get through as many of these socio questions as we can. Um, just off the back of what you've said there, I'm going to bump Brian Johnson right up to the top. Brian says, is this secretly what Barcelona wanted to happen? John, you know, I, I think if you're talking about, is this a, is this a, a super Machiavellian strategy? I, I might, I'd love to be able to tell you exactly what the truth is, but I have to go on instinct and some knowledge. Laporta is dedicated to Messi. Messi was Barcelona's best player last season. He didn't win the Copa America single-handedly, but he showed during the Copa America that he's still a potent force. Barcelona were about to renew the contract of a guy who is literally desperate to be in the best form he can be next November, November of 22, so he can go and win the World Cup in Qatar. He was signing on a guy who's in brilliant form, who's motivated, who loves Barcelona, who didn't want to go to PSG, didn't want to go to Man City, and he's got the World Cup in the back of his head going, come and catch me if you can, Leo. They wanted him. They made a deal. It would be a lovely scenario to say, a house of cards scenario to say, like, all they've done, like they did, was trying to buy Neymar back. Oh, look how hard we're trying. Gosh, can you see the sweat in my brow? And Jono, I don't think that is what happened. But I still contend that if you sit back and analyse the situation as Laporta did, he went, well, listen, I'm not going to get this deal through so I can blame two other people. But boy, when, when Leo's taken out of my hands, I sniff opportunity. And, and, and really, Brian, that's what I think happened. Fantastic. Chris Hennigan. Hi, Graham. Reading the breakdown of Barcelona's outgoing on wages, exclusive of Messi, is jaw-dropping. I know many will have been agreed pre-pandemic. You mentioned this about uh, Piquet and the rest. But how could they ever hope to sustain that level of expenditure? And I've got to agree with Chris that for me, you know, the, the Messi intrigue aside, one 10% of revenue to wages is just mind-boggling. I'm sad that the first thing I say about this, Chris could be misinterpreted by the, the slow to think that I'm defending Bartomeu. So let me say that Bartomeu is a dolt. 
But the way in which this has become 110% of total revenue is that the revenue had to drop. So they were, their, their salary outgoings were, uh, had ballooned. What do you call it when you're, you're gorged to excess? It's Mr. Korea sort of football where, um, you know, an agent for one of the players comes up and says to Porto, another waffer-thin contract. Well, one extra waffer-thin contract when you've been gorging on, on trout and truffles and trifle all day means that things are going to explode. But that gorged, orgiastic excess didn't initially represent 110% of, of revenue because... What's happened is that the amount of money that Barcelona taken is obviously like every other single club, whether it's Falkirk or whether it's Barcelona, you, your ability to make money has, has plummeted. Anybody who's ever stood at, at a roulette table late night on a Friday when you've got in and spend 20 quid and see if you can win 100 and you throw 100 chasing after the 70 that you spent and they call it good money after bad, uh, good money after bad. There are people who, who's, who stare into the well and, and can't step back. Bartomeu began to think that the big prize was to beat Real Madrid to being the one billion, the first one football club to be a one billion dollar turnover. And he got lost in that. And in order to do that, he thought that the only way to, to because the, their ability to spot and buy talent has been atrocious. There's nothing wrong with Dembele's abilities. There's nothing wrong with Coutinho's basic abilities. Um, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with Griezmann's basic abilities, but if you look at their purchase prices plus their their wage deals, you're talking about the outlay of five hundred million on those three players, and the, there wasn't inevitably there wasn't a, 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 a production line of Iniestas and Chavis and Busquets and Pedros and Valdez and Puyols and Piques coming through from the academy, and. He just went, oh, conserve, renew, keep the keep keep the twenty nine year old, give him a deal till he's thirty. And if you keep doing that, Chris, which was wrong, and if you keep overspending, and in order to get huge players like De Belli should have been, like Coutinho, like Griezmann, you end up paying gigantic wages. If you're keeping Leo Messi and renewing his wages every. 15, 16 months, then the captains in the, in the squad, you know, but like, well, we want our wage rise too, to keep the gap between us and Messi the same. And Bartomeu just kept going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all seen that in our working lives, in business, in previous sports franchise failures, leaders who somehow get to the top, but who can't say no, or are too scared to say no, or too in love with their own image. And then what happens in, in life from maxinic comedies, when you're up the ladder and the ladder isn't quite tall enough, so you, you stand on your tippy toe on the top rung, when are you gonna fall? Not when you're on the fifth rung climbing up. You're gonna fall when the ladder is at its most extended. And that goes for business too. The worst thing will only happen when you're at your most extended and you're like, oh yeah, I'll go one more because it'll be okay. And Chris, it isn't more complicated than that. And I don't know if you call it Murphy's Law or Sod's Law, but what happened was Bartomeu behaved like an, a, what's the word I can get away with without having lawyers involved, Neil? I want to go back to the word I used before. He behaved like a dolt for a handful of years and then all his doltism came home to roost with the pandemic.
That's a fair one. Um, well, John McLennan, and I'm going to wrap in another question from so, uh, from Socio CV here as well. John McLennan asks, do you think this is exclusively down to the mismanagement of finance by Barcelona, or could the events of the last year start to see other clubs reverse the trend of ever-increasing transfer fees and wages? And CV asks, how much of what's going on with the Messi situation is due to previous board mismanagement versus all the shady backroom dealings and manoeuvring in a bit to make the Super League happen? So I guess what they're both getting at is, I mean, we accept, and you've just detailed how Barcelona got into this uh, mess before the pandemic um, and then during the last year you've also had the, the manoeuvring for the Super League so what what other factors have been in play and let's start with John's second point which is is this going to be the start of a downward trend? I, I, I don't think so in the, in the way that John's asked it in that um, there is a, you know, a, a dominant law which is supply and demand and if the supply is reduced uh, and the demand goes up, then the price follows. And therefore, I think that now agents are so uh, so adept at bullying and threatening. I think that the, the supply of elite talent might not be dwindling, but it's not easy to get at. And therefore, I think individual wages for elite talent probably are going to continue going up on the supply and demand thing. I think if you're a bread and butter footballer or heaven help you, a pretty ordinary footballer, then yeah, I think you're going to struggle a little bit. Where I think John might see a difference is I think the accumulation, the honeypotting of large numbers of vastly paid players outside state-run clubs, I think that's going to change. I think that's going to diminish. I think the clubs will be like, well, listen, um, I can afford to have, you know, a Mars bar, and a small piece of Turkish delight, but I'm going to have to go to the gym five days in a row before I have anything else. They're going to ration themselves a little bit. I think that can and will happen. But I think, I, I, I believe, and, and by all means, John, uh, Chris, CV, come back at me in the future if it proves that I'm wildly wrong. But interpretively, what I know is happening right now is that around the market, and you can see the evidence because there aren't many big transfer deals, clubs are saying to agents, we, we don't have any money. We don't have any money. So the first thing that the trend that's going to reverse is vast splurges of money on players to be stockpiled or transfer sums which are wildly out of proportion for what a club can afford or what a player is worth. That's where the first you're going to notice the first temperature drop, in my opinion. After which, you know, might there be a, a, a follow-through where general husbandry is good and, and clubs get used to being more careful about how they sell how they renew contracts, what they spend in order to buy, then, you know, wage management can be better. And if the pandemic doesn't go away and crowds don't renew, then obviously wages are going to have to drop. In everybody's case, there is no question about that. But CB talked about skullduggery and, and the Super League. The Super League um, right now is a monumentally big part of this because whether whether you whether one agrees with the, the way in which the CVC investment and, and they don't carry a good reputation for how they behaved in Formula One. They don't. But whether one believes that the, the CVC investment is just a really clever um, fund saying, we can jump in now when the price is low. It's market terms, isn't it? Buy short, sell long. CVC are charging and they're going like, we think this, let's say hypothetically, they think this is worth 5.7 billion. 
But if, and we can still make a huge profit on that. But if we give them 2.7 billion, they're so desperate they'll take it. That's what this is being marketed as. Nonetheless, the idea that Tebas in this market can bring 2.7 billion to the large community of Spanish football will by some be greeted as, never mind the small print, just, just, just take the money. We're dying here, fella. So, um, that would strengthen his position, and Tebas is, and I support him in this strongly, one of the most vocal, clear-cut, and staunch opponents to the Super League, and the way that it's been formed, the way that it was announced, and what damage it will do. So, neither Barcelona nor Real Madrid, whether they like the CBC deal, whether they're involved in the negotiations for it or not, neither of those clubs particularly want Javi Tebas to have his, his presence or his position strengthened right now. And it's because they are two of only three clubs who remain active in the promotion of the Super League and, and in active in saying, we're still going to go ahead. So, CD, listen, baby, I wish we knew your full name, but the, the truth of it is, yeah, the games that are going on, and, and these are inordinately huge, chaotic power games, where I wish that this was a podcast Q&A where... Um, Leo Messi leaving under these circumstances was the big story. Flipping heck, I'm not even sure that it is. <laughs> I know what you mean. Ian Boddy, is this a showdown between Laporta and Tebas to force La Liga to change the rules to allow Messi to stay or is it a way of getting rid of Messi to save funds? I think you've addressed the second part of that question. But this um, standoff between Laporta and Tebas, I was unaware of the sort of Twitter response in real time that the head of La Liga had um, given during Laporta's um, statement or Q&A. The other part of this, um, I think that I wonder if you could shed some light on, all of this back and forth seems to suggest to me that the, the financial fair play rules in Spain are maybe tighter or, or enforced more strictly than they are in, in perhaps England and France. I, I think that's right. I think in some of the other major footballing nations, the idea that um, the pandemic couldn't, shouldn't affect preset FFP rules was was treated as immature and flexibility was introduced. Now, it, it, I, we haven't had a formal pronunciation from the Liga on that. I got tipped on the afternoon that Barcelona made this announcement. That's yesterday, Thursday. I got tipped from somebody who's involved. We don't really think that we can, that we have got flexibility because if this goes now, then maybe it's the end of FFP for sure. And, and Spain, you say, maybe are a little bit stricter at the moment, but they're late to the party. Spain is trying to divide and make the cake bigger, divide the cake of finance more evenly amongst the clubs. They've been trying to do that for the last seven years. FFP, it, it's, it's a less mature, later developing concept here. And therefore, they're still quite evangelical about it. They're quite, they're quite strict about it. And, and we do have severe danger of certain Spanish football clubs, if not disappearing, then going, going temporarily out of business. So I understand the point of view. And let's answer Ian's point by, by saying, Neil, Joanne Laporta said on the record today, I understand and support why La Liga have financial fair principles. And I understand why they wouldn't want to, to make an exception for us. He said, I've got illiteracy. I've got my sources who tell me that La Liga want Leo Messi to stay in Spain. Now, for those conspiracy theorists, which is back to CV, that might be Laporta, you know, you could interpret that Laporta saying, 
yeah, yeah, you know, between lines, for God's sake, don't relax it for us. I've just got rid of my problem. You know, but then we're back into the conspiracy theories. Let's deal what's in, let's deal with, with, with what's in front of us. Ian's, Ian's point, I, I think, w- what would make me laugh a lot is if however he achieved it, Javier Tebas felt that he'd spoken to six or seven of the League of Presidents and they'd given him a mandate to be flexible with Messi because Messi's so valuable as a property to La Liga and the, and the clubs that he plays against when the games are shown around the world. If they were to give him a mandate and he was to phone Joan Laporta this evening and say, right, listen, pal, it's, it's Messi. We won't do this again for anybody else, but we're going to give you a bit of flexibility. Then no Joan Laporta is in a bit of a pickle because he can't say... Oh, no, actually, no, because then Tebas releases that news out, and boy, if that, I'd love that phone call to happen. Then, then all our questions about is this a game and a ruse would be answered. Oh, I, th- I think Ian Arnott, social Ian Arnott, might already uh, have jumped the gun on this, and he's saying. Would it be possible that the wage cap might be delayed for a season? If so, would this, you, be interest, yes. would this be in the best interest of La Liga? You could offset it. You could, you could say, OK, we've audited Laporta's financial plans over the next four seasons. We can see that they're in a particularly bad situation right now because pandemic and Leo Messi, two things that don't come along. You know, one of them doesn't come along in our lifetime normally. Both of them have. We will allow them to sign a contract where he plays for X... Uh, amount in this year, X amount in that year, and, and overall, we'll take a three-year or a four-year view of it rather than the one-year view of it. I agree with uh, Fontanero, who's, who's put the case beautifully. He's not the only one, Barca boy, who listens to us from the States, um, made this point about contractual flexibility, offsetting of payments. He was as daring as to say, in theory, Messi plays for nothing for a season, and then double what's offered in season two. I'm not, an, I'm not a forensic accountant. You, Neil, you're certainly better on the, this subject than I am. But there is no question that rather than simply wave a white flag and saying we're giving up on FFP for Leo Messi because he's so important, there are mechanisms whereby it could be, it could be made to happen in, in what seems an equitable way. If it doesn't happen in, in that manner, then for us in the coming weeks, the question is going to have to be why? Okay, guys, we're going to take a really quick break now. And when we come back, we've got three more questions as we look ahead to what might happen next in this intriguing saga. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, we're back. You're listening to a Q&A around the breaking news that Leo Messi seems certain now to leave Football Club Barcelona. Our next question is from Socio Luis Berga, who is one of the guys that supports us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, Lewis says, Hey guys, I've been struck by the general sadness that the Messi news has provoked among La Liga fans. It's as if we're all recognising that we're in the end of an era, an era of La Liga we may never see again. wonder if Graham can give us some reasons to be optimistic about the near and long-term future of this league and its teams. Hola Luis, ¿qué tal? Um, I, I like your point of view because first of all I think we need to stop and recognise that the, the, the reason we're delving into the Messi situation so deeply is not because all of us are obsessed by by figures, by contracts, even by news stories. Not, not even by history or he's the greatest. We're all obsessed by this because Leo Messi has just consistently been like our sugar daddy. Every four or five days for the last, I don't know how many years, 13, 12, 13, 14 years, He's dealt us out little doses of sugar to make our, our football viewing better, to make our hearts sore, to confuse us, excite us, make us emotional. Um, in the case of Manchester United fans, it ruin your life twice into Champions League finals. But on the second occasion, I still remember Andy Mitten of United We Stand phoning me from his supporters coach home, saying that all he had was people not lamenting that they'd lost the second Champions League and two years to, to Barcelona, but talking about Messi and his greatness. He's a unifying factor in that um, he's been used in a divisive way, at least across his career, because is he better than Pelé or Maradona seems to be a recurring theme. How many of us truly care? It's a nice chat, but I, I don't really care about that. The Cristiano-Messi thing, again, interesting, fun. It's developed, each, it's become a better story and argument as Cristiano and Messi have begun to talk about each other. It's, it's been interesting, but none of those are the key things. You know, I don't think any of us can legitimately expect to be so amazed, so jolted, um, so stimulated, so inspired by a footballer. I don't think. Um, I, we can legitimately expect that again in any of our lives, I don't think. Certainly not my working life. And therefore, what do you want me to do, Luis, to say that there might be another Messi along soon? I don't think that's your question. I think optimism, yeah, I think that the first thing to say is that Messi was always a one-off. You know, a complete one-off. Um, injected with growth hormones, couldn't afford it, comes here. Uh, the now dead board member who pays for the hormone injections out of his own pocket because... The rest of the Barcelona board say that Messi's going to make a table footballer. Um, the bad ankle he suffers immediately, the fact that it, his dad got fed up with Barcelona prevaricating. In some ways, they've, they've gone out as they came in with the, the football club Barcelona in a total mess. He nearly joined Real Madrid, he nearly joined Espanyol, he turned down the chance to, to play for Spain, and then he took over the world. And, and now, as he's going out, you know, as Frank would say, and now the end is, is near. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. 
we won't get a player who gives us such a bridal joy on a consistent basis again. But even at Football Club Barcelona, never mind where else you're looking, Pedri and Elish Mariba coming through in the same crop and, and Ansu Fati, it, it's incredible. None of them are messy, but Petri is, we've been saying it on this podcast, Luis, I don't know how long you've been with us, we've been saying it on this podcast for the best part of a year now, not the whole year, it took me It took me a couple of months of watching him to click, but for the best part of a year now we've been saying Petri is off the scale, it just, again, they broke the mould when they built this kid, I, I've never seen anybody in midfield like him, ever, and 72 games later, in, in his debut senior season which it is because I'm not counting Division 2 and intermittent games in Division 2 for Las Palmas age 16 and 17 he's 72 years in his breakthrough debut season where he's won the Spanish Copa del Rey he's probably been Barcelona's second best player after Messi domestically he's gone to a European Championship semi-final and an Olympic gold medal match now Luis that's, that's a micro not a macro answer where I, I, I might go dancing around Espanyol and Alaves and, and Betis and Athletic Club. But, in my opinion, uh, you don't need to look hard to see the flowers in the garden. That's my opinion. OK, Tom Lee is next. Socio Tom asks, playing devil's advocate, let's assume he's no longer a Barca player. There is no 11th, 12th or 13th hour intervention. Messi's next destination, where and why? Can City or PSG remain compliant for FFP given the former splash in the cash despite a prior whack on the knuckles and the last spending big on Ramos's wages? And if neither of those, then where? Thomas, um, Neil, I wish I was sure because if I was, I wouldn't hesitate. I would tell you where it's going. I'm not sure. What I'm increasingly sure about is that when Laporta who only came to this conclusion himself on Wednesday and only really brought Jorge Messi and Le Messi into the shock news yesterday. Even though I think on balance, if, if La Liga were to relax the rules, he would say, OK, we do a deal and Messi stays. Even given all of that, Leo Messi said to Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain, sorry, that fellas, I'm staying. Thanks. So even though it's, it's a second chance for them and they may still want him just as much, it, it's a hugely embarrassing situation for a player who has to go back and say, um, yeah, do you remember when I, when I said no? Wow, that's a bad one. Secondly, I struggle to see, look, it wouldn't knock me out if, if Florentino Perez got in touch. Wouldn't knock me out at all. To, to, to some extent, I'd be surprised if he didn't. I'd be shocked rigid if Leo Messi betrayed everything he's ever said and went there. I don't think he will. I don't. But then to see another club beyond Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City would be an equal shock. I don't, I don't believe that going back to Argentinian football with the state it's in and the degree to which he wants to be tested amongst the elite of the world to be ready for the Qatar World Cup to see him play for Newell's old boys now means that he'd have to rip up his economic pretensions at Barcelona where he'd already have his, his demands you know because what he could be paid at Newell's old boys it's just it would be derisory in comparison Inter Miami is not an option at the moment and 
for example, I know that Manchester United when be, will not would will ask, are you interested? They will, and maybe that will interest him. I I I can't say for sure, but it's a fact that they'll ask. Other than that, it leaves I think City and, and Paris Saint Germain. I can't see the other options. Not really. There's a feasibility that Chelsea go crazy. Abramovich wanted Messi so much, so often. Maybe if Inter suddenly find money that they, they didn't know they had, maybe. But if it's City or Paris Saint-Germain, the repercussions are huge. If it's City, does it mean that they then dump Harry Kane altogether? A Paris, which is a slightly more logical destination, if suddenly Messi's going to slot in next to Icardi and, and Di Maria and, and, and Neymar, does it mean that <clears throat> the owners of Paris Saint-Germain suddenly, instead of defending Mbappe and saying, we'll keep you for the last year of your contract, and he's into the last year of his contract, no matter what, and you're not going to Real Madrid, and you know, tough luck if you don't like it, then they suddenly go, we've got Messi, okay, Mbappe, you're out of here. And they take money right away, and suddenly we're dealing in the quietest season in Spanish living memory, which suddenly, kaboom, Messi out, Mbappe in. Madrid going, Hala Madrid. Hala Madrid, Hala Madrid, Hala Madrid. It could happen, Neil. It could happen. So, sorry, Tom. That's the best answer I could give to that. And listen, Tom, I give you a musical answer because you're special. Let's close with one from our sponsors at Bet365. Very simple question. How do you replace someone like Leo Messi? I think... Um, I think that 365 musically could have just whistled. How do you replace a player like Leo Messi? But maybe they're not um, Sony music fans. And, and I think that your question is Quo Vadis, uh, cousin of Darth Vader. There have been many routes. What I think Barcelona won't do is what they did under Bartomeu when they took the Neymar money which was 222 million, but of course, once you work out um, commissions and tax and whatever, um, you don't have that much to spend. You don't have that amount to spend, is what I meant to say. Um, and they went out and they did the wrong things with it, uh, repeatedly. I think if you go and look at the Gareth Bale money, which at the time shocked everybody in English football, rigid, and the value that Spurs got for that money was quite low if you look back retrospectively and you take a sort of pound for pound analysis it wasn't all that good there's another way to look at it for our sponsors which is that um, when Robert had lost Neymar never having had him signed to their first team but having had him there on trials believing that he was absolutely captured as a Real Madrid footballer Barcelona nicked in in a rather underhand way claimed that he cost him 10 bob and then you know subsequent tax cases turned out to show that it cost him over 100 million. But they had the satisfaction of Robin Romanud and Florentino Perez's attitude was, okay, we do go out and, and we, we contradict what you just said there, Neil. And Florentino has this you know, small man problem, so maybe you'd like to look down on him for his approach. But he hired a team of Brazilian specialists and said, get me every good Brazilian kid that comes through for the next five, six years. So they've got... Um, a lot invested in Rodrigo, they've got a lot invested in Vinicius, 
and I forget, is it Rainier, um, who they've got out on loan in German football. And, you know, it began to look as if certainly his, his attitude, his stated policy, not attitude, of being the best club at signing the world's young talents so that he didn't have to compete euro for euro or dollar for dollar with um, PSG, particularly City, and to some extent Chelsea, there were times when it looked like it would be a really clever tactic. Maybe that's one of Barcelona's remedies. For now, the way that we treat the Bet365 question is, Laporta needs to A, slim down what is still a bloated squad. B, reduce the salary bill before kickoff or certainly before the end of the market so that he is able to register Eric Garcia, Emerson, Kunaguero and Memphis Depay. He said, I mean, I don't have the answer to this, but he said today the market wasn't closed. Now you're going to see rumours about Manchester City wanting to offload Emmerich Laporte to Barcelona. Maybe it's true. How do they do that deal? I don't know. So long before the idea of replacing Messi, because what you want effectively is a team that can come as close to doing what the best Leo Messi team did for Barcelona, because you can't go like for like players. So first of all, you make the, the, the squad tighter because there are too many players. You reduce the salary, you incorporate the new signings. If you can take Laporte uh, by, uh, while selling Longley and OTT and bringing Araujo through and, and pairing over a long-term Laporte and Garcia at the back, right foot, left foot, smart, smart, smart business. And Barcelona, by and large, depending on how Stegen's injury goes, whether Pique stays fit, whether Pedri immediately recovers from his 72 game season, depending on whether Ansu Fati comes back from his unbelievably long uh, knee injury, and as one of the, depending on how fit Cunaguero is. Okay, th- th- these imponderables aside, Barcelona have a squad that can win the title. Champions League, I'm not so sure, but they can win the title, of course they can. So that's step one. You know, step one is lean down the squad, get the new players registered, find yourself in a position to take any other bargains you can find in the market before it closes on the 3rd of September, and then play a different brand of football that isn't relying on, reliant on one magician maestro saving you all the time, and maybe the club and the football, it, it will never be as brilliant as when Leo Messi was leading us all a fine dance, but maybe it's somewhere near as effective. We, we'll see. But the world doesn't end. One, the world doesn't end. Two, you can't individually replace Leo Messi. Three, behave like a grown-up football again, football club again. And four, this story is not over. I'm sure we'll be talking about Leo Messi again very, very soon. But for now, at the end of a huge day, football news. Graham Hunter, thank you very much. Socios who sent in these questions, thank you guys very much for responding so fast and so well. As usual, you prove that you know a whole bunch more than I do. And we'll be back with you guys very, very soon. Adios, viva Leo Messi.